Amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Thank you. Good to see you this morning. And man, thank you guys. Y'all led us in some great worship again. And I'm so thankful, uh, just by hand raise, uh, if you have experienced God speaking to you in the, some of your darkest moments. Have you experienced that? Yeah. I'm so thankful for a God who speaks to me and us in some of our darkest moments. Sinners who are broken in need of a Savior, that's me. That's you. We're all broken in need of a Savior, and I'm so thankful for um, God sending His Son, Jesus, to be our Savior. Yes, if you're middle school or high school students, I want to go out right now. They're going to meet in the connection room with Justin for um, a Bible study of their own out there. So yeah, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, Thankful for you. I want to share real quickly just a little update. A few weeks ago, I said that I would share an update from our leadership retreat, which was a couple of Saturdays ago, and then we'll jump into the message this morning. Um, Our leadership team, I I tell them every year we get together like uh, early in January for a whole day retreat to plan the year. And and other than Brent and I, Brent and I as pastors are two of the six leadership team members. And, um, but they don't have to be there, but they choose to spend their day to plan. And I'm just going to recognize them real quick. Some of them were in the first service, but Michelle Hannah, would you stand? Let's see you. Michelle's on the leadership team. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Missy Welch is on the leadership team. Missy May, she's still here. She was in the first service. Uh, Brennan Willingham was in the first service. He's on that team. And then Carol Paul Mary is Carol this morning. Make note of the leadership team members who are not here. That's not good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're allowed to miss. Yeah. Uh, but we're so appreciative of, of the team uh, and their leadership throughout the year. So we come together um, uh, every year to plan for the year, kind of focus on some things. What are some things we sense God's doing? What are some holes that we need to kind of shift or shape up and fill? And a word that came to us, it may be more for us, but it was the word engage. And we thought, you know, we want to do our job to provide a place where people can just engage more, participate more. So if you're already engaged and participating, way to go. Keep participating. And if you're not, I hope you'll get in the game and get involved this year. And there are three specific ways. But before I do that, one of the things we always do is celebrate what has gone well over the last year. And uh, for all of us, we said the HERE campaign our capital campaign to raise money to buy this building. And I will tell you why that was so encouraging for me, but before I do, you'll be hearing more reports through the year on this, Uh, but we did meet with a representative from Christian Financial Resources um, last week, and or the week before, and uh, he said probably by April or latest May, we should be closing on a loan to buy our building here. So we're excited about that, yeah. But thanks to those of you who pledged and engaged and got involved. And uh, I was telling the first service that, you know, it's one of these things where you hope everybody's kind of behind the vision and the work, but you never really know until you do like a capital campaign and you're asking for money to accomplish this vision. And, And part of it is you're asking for money, but the other part that was like, Hey, you all are behind us, right? <laughs> right, right? And, uh, and then when everyone comes through and, uh, you know, we uh, exceeded our victory goal, our dream goal, um, it was just a blessing to say, yeah, everybody's behind what God is doing here. 
And that's a blessing. That's been a blessing to me to see that. And so thanks for your engagement over the campaign. But there are three particular areas as we go into this year that we want folks really engaged. That is in our life groups or discipleship. We really want people more engaged in their relationship with God than ever before. And so we're going to really be honing in on our life groups and uh, putting some extra resources and time to that to develop so that we can offer life groups where folks can really get plugged in and grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, another thing is just relationships. We want people engaged in just more community and relationships with one another. Of course, that will happen through life groups, but we'll do some other things that will help that as well. And then outreach. Like the Easter egg hunt for the city of Taylor Mill. We want to bless the city of Taylor Mill. We want to come and volunteer and get involved in that. But there's many other ways that we can reach out and take the church out there and serve. And Sally Willingham oversees that outreach ministry. And we'll be, you'll be hearing more about that. But those are the three main areas, discipleship slash life groups, relationships, and outreach. Really get engaged in those areas. Um, one of the things we're excited to let you know about a change in the next chapter staff, um, and that is with this guy right over here, Brent Reed. Brent is currently our worship pastor, but he is going to transition as of today to our executive pastor. And so many of you um, don't know, maybe you don't know what an executive pastor is, which is understandable. So he's going to be, he does a lot of this already, but we're going to be adding some additional responsibilities. But it's more of the operational and administrative side of things. There are some holes there, and we think that with Brent's skill set and giftedness, he'll be able to help come alongside. And so, for instance, uh, outreach is one of the things that will be added to his plate to oversee and to help Sally come together and formulate a good plan for us as a church. So we're excited about this transition. Now, Brent will still oversee all of the worship ministry because that was a big question. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He does such a great job with worship and uh, he's going to still oversee worship ministry. He will still lead worship three of the four Sundays during the month throughout this year. Um, and then one Sunday a month, that will allow some of our volunteers to step up and lead as well. But he'll still oversee that, so we shouldn't miss a beat on our worship ministry. And he'll be working alongside more with some of our volunteer leaders, and he'll be preaching four to six times a year, which will be great to hear more from him. So we're excited about this transition as he helps us to continue just to love God, love people, and bless the world. So um, would you give him a little welcome hand clap as executive pastor? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Pressure's on now. Yeah, yeah, no pressure, but yeah, man. Uh, so that's good stuff. Let's pray, and then I'll jump into our message this morning. God, thank you for um, all that you're doing in our lives. Father, um, all, our lives are all just a big journey, and sometimes we find ourselves in a good place in the journey. Sometimes we find ourselves in a really bad place, and sometimes we feel stuck. Sometimes we feel beaten up. Sometimes we feel like we want to give up. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us today. You continue to give us what we need, God, that you would help us to know, that you would just help us to focus our truth, that you love us, that you have called us your sons and daughters, and that we are worthy. And you have loved us so much that you gave your son's life for us. I pray we'll hold on to that today, Father. Speak to us as we do uh, get into the scriptures and study uh, your word this morning, God. Just uh, have your way with us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Um, I titled this message, A Better Option. Really, I could have said the best option. We're going to look at some ways that we respond to things in our life. And um, I forgot to say this too. We entered Black History Month this month. And um, I think it's a really good moment to pause and to um, learn more about the history of the African-American uh, just even from centuries ago to now, and how we can continue to be uh, voices of truth and love and justice in a world that still experiences a lot of injustice. So, so be thinking, do, I, maybe this month just do something proactive and really learn something more than you don't know right now. I think that would be really important. Um, but as far as this better option, I've shared this when it happened. I shared it with you years ago. Uh, my son Jackson, who is 20 years old now, when he was in middle school, uh, I can't remember if he was sixth or seventh grade. Um, I got a call one day. I was at the office, um, and I got a call and says it was from my one of my daughters, and they were kind of frantic. They're like, "Dad, you got to go get Jackson. He's been beat up at school." And I'm like, "What?" And uh, she says, "Yeah, some kid beat him up." I don't know how he's doing. You got to go get him. And I'm like, oh. And of course, all the way there, my mind's going, oh, wait till I see this kid. Better yet, I want this kid, to, I want to go to their house and I want to talk to the kid's dad. And maybe we'll have a little conversation. You know what I'm saying? And, and so you're, you're building all this. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. How, I hope my boy's okay. So I get to school, pick him up, and he's okay. And, um, it, you know, and, and, I will say some things today that will sound wrong because it goes against the culture um, of what our culture is, but it actually is in the kingdom of God culture. But it sounds wrong. Hang with me. I was proud of him because he didn't fight back. Rob, you got to teach your son to fight back. I got I, 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 you. Uh, but he didn't fight back. He didn't get expelled or he didn't get um, suspended, Jackson. But the boy did. He got suspended. I actually ended up getting expelled from the school because uh, it wasn't his only time. And, um, and I was proud of Jackson for that. Uh, but I remember having just all these thoughts. Come to find out the little boy, young boy, doesn't have a dad around. And then my heart's like, oh, gosh, all right, Rob, settle down. But, you know, in the moment, you're thinking all oh, these thoughts of what you're going to do to this kid. Well, the, the kid's dad. You know he can't do anything to the kid. And, uh, and all this stuff. And I, there's, something in, what, there's something in us that we just want to get even. We want to get back. Somebody hurts us or our kids, and we just want to get them back. We want to get them back a little bit more than they got us. And there's this ever-ending quench of like we want to quench our thirst like I'm going to get him I'm going to get him so what happens is um, maybe you've been married and divorced like myself and uh, you have an ex-wife or ex-husband and they uh, you know they start dropping the kids off an hour than they're supposed to well that just drives you nuts so you're going to start dropping the kids off an hour later, you know, or someone steals your ideas at the office. And so you're going to start stealing and taking credit for people's ideas or somebody trashes your name. You're going to trash their name, doggone it. And so here's what I want us to know. If there is no God, which we believe there is, but if there were no God, that would make sense. Some of you are like, oh, it would make sense even when there is a God. But yeah, it, it would make sense. Now, here, here, let me back up a little bit. 
I'm not saying that you can't do something. I'm not saying that. Don't hear me say what I'm not saying. And I'm not saying that you should just let people treat you however you want. I'm not saying that. So if you hear me saying that, I'm not saying that. I think there are boundaries in relationships that are really important. But when it comes to somebody hurting you or doing something unjust to you, that feeling of wanting to take revenge, that's what I want us to think of a better option, the better option to do. Because if they were no God, it wouldn't make sense to get even with them. Because there's no right and wrong. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get them worse. But because there is a God, and if we take Scripture seriously, it says that God is the avenger for us. It says that in the judgment day, which is probably a season of time, in the judgment day, in that season of time, however that judgment day works, I don't think anybody gets away with anything. If we really believe that, it kind of takes the pressure off. Like, I don't have to be the one that sticks it to you if I really believe that. But here's what's really interesting. As right as it might seem in the moment to retaliate, it actually sets back our faith a bit. It actually sets back our development in Christ a bit. See, we don't see it that way. We see it, it's what you got to do. You got to protect yourself. And again, I'm not saying, just hear me. So what happens is, I think as followers of Jesus... One of our biggest things in this life is to develop a character of Jesus. And when every, I heard this recently, it was really good. You've probably heard something similar. Um, every choice we make makes a, oh, there's a little ladybug right there. There you go. Boop. <laughs> uh, every choice, uh, every choice, every decision is a choice. Every choice becomes a habit. Every habit becomes part of our character and our character becomes our destiny. So how we decide to operate and choose and decide the decisions that we make, it affects us all. And so I can choose to just take revenge, but I'm telling you right now, it will not be good for you. It will not be good for that person. It's hindering your development and developing your character to be like Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't like that. We'll get to that in just a little bit. There's a lot to cover this morning. So I want to talk to you about a better option. The story we get into today, I preached it years ago, but it's a really interesting story. You may have never heard it. It's not a common story, but it's kind of put in between a story that you would be more familiar with. There's this character named David who ends up being king. You know, young David was a shepherd. His, son, his dad was Jesse. Uh, the prophet Samuel anointed David as king, that he would become king at some point. We, knew that he, we know now that he becomes king after Saul, but Saul did not like David. He knew he was going to be anointed as king. Saul wanted his son to be king. So that was a problem. Saul, when he defeated the giant Goliath, uh, sorry, David, when David defeated the giant Goliath, he became a hero to Israel. So he was like this folk hero in Israel. Saul did not like that. So King Saul, out of his jealousy, tries to kill David. Well, again, if someone was trying to kill me, I probably would want to try to kill them, right? That's kind of how you. Well, David did not. He's like, no, I cannot do it. I know Saul's after me, but I can't do it. And there were two particular incidents that David could have killed Saul, but he did not. One when Saul was sleeping and one when Saul was taking uh, a bathroom break. <laughs> he could have killed King Saul, but he did not do it. Instead, David flees and becomes a fugitive. And so he's away from his home. He's away from his country. And he's away from where really God 
where he thought he was supposed to be. So he's a fugitive and he's on the run because King Saul is trying to kill him. Um, one of the things that makes the story so interesting is that David wasn't able to bring himself to kill King Saul, but in the story, he's about to kill someone else who is less, who is probably weaker and less strong. Um, because you know, after a while, sometimes it gets tiring being the bigger person, doesn't it? Now, we still need to be the bigger person. We still need to follow the character of Jesus, but sometimes it just gets tiring. And I wonder if David was just tired. But here's the other thing that happens with revenge. If I can't get revenge on the person that hurt me, by golly, somebody's going to get hurt. And you know who it usually is? Your family or the dog or the cat, you know, the old saying. And so if I get hurt and I can't retaliate against you, somebody's getting my anger and they're going to get my anger and then they're going to take their anger out on somebody else. It's just this bad ripple effect. So let's pick up the story. David is a fugitive. He's fleeing, hiding so that King Saul doesn't kill him. But there's a conflict in 1 Samuel 25. I'm going to read a lot of verses. I'll try to go quickly. Starting in verse 2. Are you still with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, verse 2, a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. So we're talking about this wealthy man. He had a thousand goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal or Nabal. I grew up calling him Nabal as I was looking through some resources. It looks like it's Nabal, but Tomato, tomato, we know who we're talking about. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. Now, here's what I want to say, too. This is really important because I have heard, I know at least, I've heard Dave Bibb say this, but this story is about a woman, Abigail, who saves a man, namely King or David. So it's about a woman who saves a man. Which I will say, I'm thankful. I think that seems to be a common story. There's a lot of women in here who have saved their man. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so women, you are powerful. Um, I have heard a lot of men say, like, oh, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be, um, I'd be in jail. (laughs) So, uh, so it's a story about that. I love, I love how it plays out. So you got this very wealthy man named Nabal. He's married to Abigail. Look at, look at the next verse. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, uh, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. And so we get this, she's beautiful and intelligent, which will be interesting later on in the story. And uh, then her husband, he is threatening, he's harsh, he's a pain. Matter of fact, later we come to know that his name means fool and he's kind of foolish, So then in verse 4 through 5, I'll keep going. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. Now, this doesn't seem like much, but what I'm learning that in this time when there was shearing sheep, the owners of the sheep and Nabal had, I think he said, 3,000 sheep. This was kind of a, a payday. So as they're shearing sheep, they're getting money for all the wool. And most of the time, there's a lot more there than the owners realize. So it's like, Payday, festive, there's a lot of money that Nabal is getting. He's already wealthy. He's getting wealthier. So David hears in the wilderness that Nabal is shearing sheep. Kind of a, hey, big payday. So David sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, 
long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Verse 7. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. They'll vouch for me. Therefore, be favorable toward my men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. So David sends men to say, hey, just tell them, hey, I know it's a festive time, but listen, the reason that you're going to be able to make so much money is because me and my guys, we kind of watched out for you all in the wilderness. We watched over your shepherds. We watched over your sheep. You wouldn't have as many sheep if it wasn't for us watching over you. So just kind of give us a little kickback, can you? Because you've got a lot of money flowing here in the ball. And so kind of, you know, verse Uh, In verse 8, he says, yeah, just we've been nice to you. Be nice to us. Kind of scratch our back. We scratched yours. Verse 9 says this. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and the meat I have slaughtered from my shears And give it to men coming from who knows where. David's men turned around and went back. So they come and say, hey, could you, we helped you. Could you help us a little bit in all of your, all of your extra? And um, Nabal says, nope, this David, he's an out, he's an outlaw. He's some rogue fugitive. He's out of favor with the king and with the nation of Israel. I didn't ask for his help. I didn't ask for him to protect me. I'm not giving him anything. Well, um, things begin to change for David. He didn't like that. And again, we don't know this, but he's already on a run from King Saul. But now he really doesn't like this. So when they arrived, sorry, I think I missed the last part of that verse uh, 12, Sammy. So when they arrived, they reported every word to David. (laughs) Listen to what David said. David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped him his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David says, all right, that's what Nabal says. 400 of you, we're going down, and we're killing Nabal and all of his males in his household. That's what we're going to do. David, what? Um, he's mad. So then in verse 14, there's a servant that then gets Abigail involved. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greeting, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall, of, a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, Abigail, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And so um, this next verse shows you a little bit about Abigail's intelligence. Uh, Verse 18 says this, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, which is about 60 pounds, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. 
In verse 19, then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Good idea, Abigail. She's a smart girl. So then in verse 20, um, as she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. So David and his men, they're coming. They're, they're like Deion Sanders in the University of Colorado. We're coming. They're coming down. They're going to kill Nabal and all the males. They're coming. And she piles up all these goods uh, and meets them on their way down. And then in verse, uh, as she came writing, okay, in verse 21, David had just said, it's been useless. So right as she comes, David has been talking to his men that they're riding down. It's been useless. All of my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. Now, David does what we all do. He's justifying what he's getting ready to do. He knows it's not right, but he's so tired. And he's just justifying. This guy treated us wrong. I treated him good. This is what he gets. And I ran across this a little while ago. I can't remember if I read this or heard this, but it's so interesting how our minds work. Sometimes we can do something and not really know why we did it, but we'll think about it. And then we'll come up with an answer and justify why we did what we did, even though that wasn't what we were thinking when we did it. Isn't that funny? Well, we'll just justify the heck out of stuff. Well, you know, I did that. And, and something you'll just justify, like, yeah, that sounds good. That's real good. I wasn't thinking about that, but that sounds good. And so David's justifying what he's getting ready to do. And look how wise Abigail is. Uh, verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. Now, this is odd because Abigail is the wife of a very wealthy man. David is an outlaw a dangerous man to associate with, and she bows down to David, and I think it totally takes David off guard. The Bible doesn't say that, but by the reaction. And here's what's really important. This is important for all of us, but certainly in marriages too, but what begins, what she does is she begins to treat David as if he's already the man she hopes he will be. She's getting ready to talk to him. And women, I think that's a really good thing to talk to your husbands about uh, or to treat them as the man that you want them to be. I'm telling you, that does something to us. Now, men, it's important for us to love our wives like Christ loves the church too. So that's just as equally important. Um, but here's what's funny. She begins to treat David and, as the man she wants him to be and begins to kind of fill him with, with good thoughts and good words. And I'm telling you, ladies, it still works today. Even when us men know what you're doing, it still works. You're like, babe, I can't get this pickle jar. Would you get, yeah, let me give that pickle jar a turn here. Uh, babe, I bet you, you're, you probably can't take all those garbage bags in the garbage can with one hand. Oh, yeah, I can. You know, <laughs> it still works on us. We know what you're doing, but it still works. So she speaks with David with such um, his future in mind and with potential. And it's so powerful. Verse 24 says this, she fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord. Listen to this. She's talking about her husband. To that wicked man, Nabal. <laughs> he is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. Let's just act like my husband doesn't exist. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the man my Lord sent. Forget about my husband. I didn't see her, man. I would have done this completely different. Verse 26, listen how she speaks to David. And now, my Lord, 
as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. What is she doing here? She's like, David, you're not going to do this thing, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not going to do this thing, what you're planning on to do. And she gives him credit for being a better man than he actually is right now. So then in verse 28, she says, Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. She's saying, David, remember who you are. You, 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 are, you come from a dynasty. You are going to be king. The Messiah will come from your lineage and certainly your God will make you a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, King Saul, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living of the Lord, your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as the pocket of a sling. Reminding him back of his slingshot days of being little David. She said, hey, listen, David, you have something greater ahead of you. If you do this, it's not going to be the same. Think about what you're doing. And the Lord will protect you. It's like, it's like this wallet. of You've got this, this, this money and it's tied up in cords, securely tucked into a belt. She's saying, even though someone's trying to steal your life, God will tuck away your life safely and a wallet to protect you. And then verse 30 through 31, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him, he has appointed him ruler over Israel. So when you become king, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. You don't have to do this, David. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. And David must now be seeing things a little different way. Almost he's coming off of his anger. In verse 32, David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Then David said, then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. I'm not going to kill Nabal and all the males in the family. But then listen to what happens in verse 36. When Abigail went to Nabal, uh, he was in the house holding a banquet, that like of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. <laughs> and she thinks, Mm, I think I'll wait till the morning. <laughs> she goes, so she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. He had a heart attack. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal dead and he died. And then listen to this turn of events. Really interesting story. And then in verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail asking her to become his wife. 
Sorry about that, but I want you, baby. And then Abigail, look at verse 42. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five female servants with David's messengers and became his wife. <laughs> She's like, I'm out of here. Uh, and, and they live happily. Actually, that, that, the Abigail is one of many of David's wives, which you know, there's, that never goes all that great. But uh, So she becomes his wife. And here's the whole point, and we'll wrap it up quickly, try to go quickly. Um, Nabal was, was, was returning evil for the good that David had done, watching over the sheep and the shepherds. Uh, Nabal said, yeah, I didn't ask you. You're not getting anything. David was going to pay evil for evil. You treat me like that, I'm going to come kill you. That's what we are all tempted to do. But Abigail returned good for evil. She said, hey, I know this was evil, but I want to bless you and your men. Would you think about this? She was remarkable. Um, And of course, in our world, that's how it works, isn't it? I mean, someone steals your ideas at work. They're fired the next day and all is well. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Nabal's dead. In 10 days, he's dead. Uh, it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. It seems like the people who are the most greedy and manipulative and immoral just keep getting more yachts and more houses and more things. Like, what the heck is going on around here? Um, but when we're tempted to return evil for evil, may we go with the better option, the best option. It's not the American option. But it is, it is the gospel option. It's the kingdom of God option. Uh, look what Peter, the disciple of Jesus, he writes these words to Christians who are being mistreated for their faith. 1 Peter 3, verse 9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Say, what? What, Peter? He's writing this to Christians who are being mistreated for their faith. He says, I know you're being mistreated. I know you're being insulted. I know you're being attacked. But don't repay evil with evil. Repay evil with blessing. What? I just thought I'd walk away. I thought I'd get brownie points for walking away or not keying their car or not doing something. He's like, yeah, 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 do that. Don't do that. I mean, yeah, walk away. But then find out how you can bless them. That's not American. When you're mistreated, don't mistreat the person who mistreated you. Actually go and figure out how you can bless them. Again, there's boundaries in all this stuff. Um, And then Jesus says something like this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 45. This is Jesus' kingdom way now. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, this is powerful. You notice he doesn't say, now pray all the time, which we are to pray. Read your Bible, which we are to read the Bible. All that is helping forming our character of Jesus. But he says, if you will love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, you'll, you'll be my sons and daughters. It's like that old phrase I've mentioned before, like father, like son. Like if I make an expression and sometimes Jim might say, oh, that looked like your dad right then. And I'm like, oh, no, it looked like your dad. Or you say something like, oh, that sounded just like your dad. Like Father Jesus is saying, hey, I'm telling you, if you will love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, God will look down and say, that's my girl. That's my boy. But we're tempted to just do the opposite of all that stuff. But when we give in to that, it's not helping us to form the character of Jesus in our lives. You can do it. God will forgive you, but there's some consequences to deal with. 
See, God forgives our sin, but inherently built into our sin are negative death consequences. And so we've got to deal with these negative consequences, but God forgives us. And he said, but, but I, I'm so thankful that God gives us consequences that help us then to realize, oh, shoot, I shouldn't do that. That's not good for me or anybody else. I'm going to do something different next time. And that's the, whole, that's the whole role of this journey of life is learning to make the Christ-like decision like next time. God forgives it all. So it leads us to this. We got we to quit talking, everybody. Let's get this thing done. So three questions real quick. Do you really want to be even with somebody you don't even like? Do you really want to get even? They're so, they're so um, cruel and unjust. I'm, I'm going to do exactly what they did and be cruel and unjust. Um, they're, they're just such an idiot, so I'm going I'm to do an idiotic thing too, just like them. Um, or do you want to try to get ahead? And where Jesus is saying is, to get ahead is to do what Jesus would do. Because it not only blesses them, it blesses you, and you look more like this, his son, Jesus. Here's the second thing that Abigail teaches us. What story do you want to tell? What story do you want to live in? This has helped me throughout my life as I make decisions. I play them out. So what story do you want to live in? What, can you imagine the story of like, so hey church, I want to tell you, I, I went to that boy's house and beat his father up and amen, hallelujah. You'd be like, what? <laughs> that was weird, Rob. Uh, what, what would that be? Uh, what story are you want to tell? So I got mad and I got angry. I showed him, I gave him a piece of myself and so I hurt him. Oh yeah. But here's what's happening. We let people have so much control over us that the beauty of following Jesus is it frees us. He says, pray for them. Bless them. Even if it doesn't change them, it frees you up. And it makes you more like Jesus. What story do you want to tell? And the last thing is this. What would it look like to return good for evil? And I'm not even saying commit to do this, although that would be a good thing to commit to. I'm saying what would it look like? What would it look like when you go to work or when you go to school and someone cheats off of you or someone takes your ideas or someone takes credit for something? What would it be like or you're just in a toxic environment at work? What would it be like to bless them instead of return evil for evil to them? The bottom line is this, don't settle for even, get even, to get even's sake. Don't settle for that. Take the better option. The better option is return good for evil. And by the way, that's what God has done for us. We know this. When I was an enemy of God, he says, Rob, I love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to send my son to die for you. You're blessed. I didn't do anything to deserve that. But he blessed me. And he does it for you. And I think that's another reason. It looks like Jesus, but then that's what gets the world's attention. So maybe you're in a situation right now, I don't know. But I would encourage us to really try to find a way to return good for evil, blessing for evil. It's the way of Jesus. And after all, that's who we're trying to become like. Let's pray together. God, thank you for being patient with me. Thanks for being patient with us. God, we want more than anything else to look more like your son, Jesus. So thanks for forgiveness when we mess up. Thanks for forgiveness when we blow it. Even though we have to deal with 
real consequences, I pray that you would just let our spirits feel the freedom that comes with that. Father, may we not let people have so much control over us. Would you just help take whatever we're harboring up and release it today, God? May the song be our prayer as we close out that there is no weapon stronger than your love. So help us to love in the face of evil. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Man. Thanks for listening this morning. It's a little long. Um, there'll be prayer ministers on each side of the stage. If you want to come up for prayer, if you want to pray on your own up here, feel free to do that. We're just going to worship to this last song. And um, I just pray you just really make this our prayer. Listen to the words that you sing. So let's stand together, if you would, and sing this song.